our Diverse City Sunday Morning Live. I am Pastor Virginia and I am here to help kick off this service. And I'm going to open up with Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2. And it says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Come on, diversity. Our soul longs for the God most high. As an animal is thirsty, they need something to quench that thirst. That's how thirsty, that's how much we long to get into the presence of God. Come on now. Let's go ahead and start to get into his presence. This Sunday morning, I'm going to challenge you, no matter where you are, to get into his presence, to long for your Savior. And you're going to do it right now. Let's get to our feet. Come on, we have breath in our bodies. Let's extend our arms, put our hands out, and begin with our mouth to start to sing praises to God, to start to tell God how much we love him. Come on, everybody. Lord, we love you. Begin to speak it out. Lord, there is no one like you. Begin to proclaim it. Lord God, we worship you. There's no one on this earth like you. As the deer pants for the water. Hallelujah. As the deer pants for the water, our soul longs for you, Lord God. Come in like a rushing wind, wind right now in the name of Jesus. Fill up our homes, Lord God, our places of work, wherever we are social, Lord God. When we go to the store, while we're in our car, come on, y'all. Begin to speak his praises. Fill us up, dear God, that we would empty ourselves out and you would begin to fill us up until we run over. Come on, somebody. God, you are worthy. You are glorious. You are powerful. You are righteous. There is no one like you, dear God. You are our anchor. You are our hope, dear God. And we love you and we worship you. Bless this service. Bless our pastors, dear God. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in this service. And we believe for these things in the holy, magnificent name of Jesus Christ, of our Jehovah, no name greater. Come on, somebody, no name greater. We thank you, Jesus. As the praise team comes, continue to stay in the act of worship. We surrender it all. In your mighty name, Father, we pray and believe. Amen and amen. Come on, Diverse City. Let's get hyped. Let's get ready to go before the throne. Amen.
Hi, and welcome to Diversity, the perfect church for imperfect people. I'd like to welcome our diversity partners, first time guests, and those joining us online. Please don't forget to like, share, and ask many questions. Well, at Diversity, we believe that no matter your background, no matter your color of your skin, no matter your current location, whether you're watching me from the comfort of your own home, on your couch, in your car, on your phone, wherever you are, doesn't matter. We have all gathered together to give who God the glory, honor, and the praise, for he deserves it. Amen. At this time, I'd like to make you aware of some very important announcements. We're starting out the week with our seniors having Bible study and prayer call. So all of our SALT ministry join 215 on Mondays and Wednesdays. They have Bible study and prayer call. More information to come on Facebook. Um, they have Zoom and they just have a wonderful time praying and learning about the Word of God. Tuesday night, our kids get together, 7 p.m. for Bible study. Kids, wear your PJs, come with your sleep buddy, and just come ready to hear about God and the awesome stories of the Bible and just have a wonderful time connecting with one another. Can't wait to see you there, kids. On Wednesday, we have a lot of things going on. We are a busy church and we want you to stay connected. So Wednesday, we have several Bible studies going on Wednesday night. We have Aftershock Youth Ministry that meets 7 p.m. Then we have our, young, our singles ministry. They're also going to meet this Wednesday at 7 p.m. for their Bible study. And then all my married couples, if you're married and engaged, we want to see you there. 7 p.m. on Zoom for a married couples Bible study. So make sure you go on your phone. You're always connected to our Facebook Live page. And we're going to connect and give you all the information you need to join those Bible studies. It's such a wonderful time for us to get together now that we're having this virtual service. So make sure to go online and stay connected. Then Thursday night, we're going to be right back with our prayer team. They're standing ready, interceding all week for diverse city, for our nation, for everybody that's impacted during this pandemic and even just during this time. So we want you to join us on Thursday night, 7 p.m. for a wonderful time just jumping and diving into the presence of God. We're going to be right back here on Sunday morning, 1030. I want to see you online. I want to see you ready to just hear the word of God, thirsty and hungry to run after what God has for us. God has a word for Pastor James and he is coming ready to feed us. And so I am ready to just um, soak up everything that God has for me today. So I can't wait to see you Sunday morning, 1030. Well, at this time, I have a special announcement for a special person. Today is Pastor James's birthday, and we want to take the time out to say happy birthday, Pastor James. Today is um, September the 27th, so it's actually his actual birthday. And so I just wanted to take the time to come on here and say happy birthday, Pastor, Pastor James. We love you. You are an awesome father. You are an awesome dad. You're an awesome pastor. Oh my goodness, Pastor James has impacted so many lives. 
And because of that, I have a surprise for him. I'm not going to tell him what it is. We have a surprise for you, Pastor James. So make sure to just stay tuned. We've got a lot of things going on today for you. We're excited for you. But come on, can you join with me as we sing happy birthday for Pastor James? Okay, let's get ready. <clears throat> okay, I'm ready. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Well, I love you. Our kids love you. Diverse City loves you. And we just want you to know that you're appreciated. Have a blessed birthday. Many more to come. Today is a big day for you. 35. I'm so blessed to call you my husband. Um, to call you a father to our kids. And I'm, I'm sure many on here are blessed to call you friend and pastor. Good morning, Diverse City Church. It's so good to be able to worship and fellowship with you this morning. At this time, it is time for us as the people of Diverse City, guest members and partners, for us to worship the Lord with our gifts today. Um, as we get started, I want to just take a moment to just give a testimony uh, because of your faithfulness and giving within your tithe and your offering. Um, as you know, since the month of March, um, we've been partnering with Gene Slay Girls and Boys Club, United Way in the city of St. Louis to feed families within our church and within our community. And I would just like to testify and say that we have been able to serve, whether it's through pickup or through delivery, over 17,000 meals to help those in need. Um, these meals come with no conditions. These meals come with no judgment, but it comes from a people that would like to show love. This is not 1,700. This is not 17, but 17,000 meals. So take a moment right now to celebrate that we're able to be able to touch and impact our community one meal and one life at a time. So with that being said, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 that we are called to honor the Lord with our substance, the first fruits of our increase, and then shall our barns will be filled with plenty. So what does the Bible tells us as we honor him, as we put him first, as we prioritize him, as we show our celebration of worship with our tithes and with our offering? God is able to open up the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing that we don't have room enough to contain. And that is being able to be able to be on the beneficiary side of the community to feed those in needs, to honor requests, to help those during this time. And it comes through your faithfulness today. So as the pastor of Diverse City, I would like to just say thank you for your obedience. Thank you for your sacrifice and your giving is being put to work to carry forth the mission and vision of Diverse City. So at this time, if you could, let's bow our heads 
and go before the Lord in prayer as we believe and within confidence and assurance that he will bless this gift and as we move forward in service that he will honor and receive our worship and he will return to us an awesome word that we can decree a thing that we can believe that God even in 2020 can give our people a breakthrough. So dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this moment. We thank you for the faithfulness of our people. We are grateful that we have been faithful stewards over our gifts, that your blessing upon our life has been able to help those that are in need, to help our community, to be able to feed, to be able to sow, to be able to bless those during this time. So Lord, we just pray through our stewardship and through our faithfulness, that you will make a return some 30, some 60, some 100 folds. And as we go forth in worship, we pray that you receive it as we lift our hands and honor you during this moment. And we pray for an awesome word. Lord, we pray that you open up our hearts, that we're able to receive what thus saith the Lord, that we might not leave better people changed, transformed, and go forth into next week with great hope and expectation. And all of the people of Diverse City say amen, amen, and amen. I love you. Let's get back into worship. See you soon.
Hey, Diversity, I'm back again. I pray that you're enjoying this worship experience. As we get ready to prepare for the word, I do have some exciting news for our church. Monday, October 5th through Wednesday, October 7th, we are doing a fast. It is time for us as a church, as believers, as disciples to take this thing to a whole nother level. Uh, this has been the year of focus. So we are committing three days, the first Monday, the first Tuesday, the first Wednesday of October. We're believing God together that we're going to focus for three days, three days of abstaining three days of pushing away the plate, three days of pushing away the entertainment for spiritual purpose. See, when we fast, we're taking our eyes off of the things of this world. We're taking our eyes off the cares and our challenges, and we're taking time to commit to God. The Bible specifically says that some things will not come out. Some things you will not see change without prayer and fasting. So I'm asking you to join me, the leaders, the deacons, and others during this time of commitment to go deeper so we can get stronger, so we can finish this year great. So during the fast, you should expect God to move. For some of you, you will experience immediate results in your business, in your marriage, in your family. And for others, this is the time that you're kicking off the process of restoration. You may think a situation has been dead. You may be in the middle of ready to give up and God is not through. Fasting is our ultimate weapon to see God move from heaven into earth in our life. And I believe for us as a church, this is our time to pray for our community. This is our time to pray for our people. And this is our time to pray for your specific needs. We're believing together as we step out this challenge, as we take this last quarter of the year for us to be able to finish strong. Join me, join our church. We're gonna be posting on Facebook. We're gonna be posting on our website. I and my wife are going to kick off some devotions every morning on Zoom for a time to just kickstart your day to be able to reframe the situation to help you to be able to focus as you make this commitment. And we're going to have a time of prayer. I believe that this fast will bring our church together. I believe during this fast that this is going to bring your family together. And I believe during this fast, it can help bring healing and restoration in our community. So you got one week from today. Go ahead and eat your desserts. Go ahead and enjoy some entertainment. And then as we step into Monday, October 5th, let's go before the Lord. I want you to take some time this week to get three things to pray for during this fast. And then on Monday, we're gonna apply pressure to it in the morning, in the middle of the day, and at night, as time permits, we understand that everybody work schedule is a little bit different. And then on Tuesday, you're gonna take the second thing before the Lord in prayer and fasting. And then on Wednesday, you're gonna take your final thing to the Lord for a time of prayer and fasting. Three days, you can do this. 
You've done things much harder. You've done things that has cost you more. And I'm just asking you as believers, as Christians, to be a disciple, for us to be good stewards over our time. Good morning, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the first Sunday in fall. It's the first Sunday in fall. Um, where are all my fall people at? Anybody really enjoy this season? If you're watching online, maybe get some like colorful leaves in the comments. Where are my hoodie people at? I find that like um, fall is a different season. There's, there's like different personalities for every season. I find that like um, fall more caters to the, like the sensitive people and like the, I don't know, like the real cozy and emotional people. They like that kind of, that element and that atmosphere. Uh, my wife loves fall. My wife loves fall and she's a big fall person. Uh, so about the second week, I think of September, she always, she can't, she can't wait to put the decorations out and she's a real big decorator. She decorates for every single, um, every single season, every single holiday, she decorates the house and she enjoys doing it. And I love it because it makes the house and everything look good. So second week of fall, or second week of September gets here, mind you, it's still summer. She wants to put the decorations out. And I said, okay, all right. So we went and got some stuff and put all the decorations out and uh, had a good time. And, and, and I love like doing things um, that make the wife happy. Amen? Amen. You know, there's, everybody says happy wife is happy life. And that's up for interpretation. But I will say like her happiness gives me joy. So, and I'm also saying that too because when this goes um, and is aired live, I'll probably be sitting right next to you, Virginia. So I love you. I love what you do with our house and with our family. You know, another thing is like about the fall. You know, we have like, we have hoodies. I know my sister-in-law loves hoodies. My daughter loves hoodies. My nieces and nephews love hoodies. And I know uh, in particular, like my daughter, my daughter's daughter Olivia, I'm always talking about my kids because my kids are lovely and they always bring me great examples of life lessons to use with uh, ministry and everything else. My oldest daughter, Olivia, I love you, Livy. She loves hoodies. And I was trying my hardest to like, okay, please just, just wait till the season allows for you to wear a hoodie. Right? Because there's seasons for every single thing we do. So there's like this fad. I know like we all play into these different fashions. There's fads for every decade. Some make more sense. Some don't make a lot of sense. You know, you had the bell bottoms and you got, you know, the different hairdos and tight legs. And remember, everybody remember tight rolls when you used to tight roll the jeans in the early 90s? I used to do that. But anyway, so like there's a fad in the last couple of years that has come along with the hoodies and the hoodies. Everybody likes to wear a hoodie all the time because it's, it's cool, you know. And, it, and it's kind of like lost its like practicality sometimes. And so my message, like I drive home to Olivia and everybody, you know, I was like, Livy, make it make sense. That's what I tell her. I said, make it make sense. I know that's might not might be grammatically correct, but I always tell her, make it make sense. Meaning I want, if I ask you 
If you're doing something and I ask you about it, I want you to be able to explain it to me, okay, and make it make sense. So I said, because throughout the summer, she would try to toss on the hoodie, and I'd be like, Libby, it is 90 degrees outside. It's 90 degrees outside. Why? You can't possibly be comfortable in this hoodie. You know, it gets to the point where, like, the fad override, overrides, like, rational thinking. I'm like, oh, Libby, I just want you to be able to think for yourself. I want you to be able to think for yourself. I want you, it, when you go through all life, I want you to be able to make rational decisions based off of education, and if it makes sense to you, then do it. So that was just a little plug. Honestly, God, that has nothing to do with the rest of my sermon, <laughs> but I just want to throw that in there. So happy fall for all you wonderful fall people, all you people who enjoy the, the cool crispness of the air and the rustling of the leaves and the smells of the fires and stuff like that. I honestly enjoy all that kind of thing. So no knocking anybody who does. So anyway... First Sunday in the fall, we're going to kick it off. So today, I have entitled today's message is Good Won't Get You to God. Good won't get you to God. So, we're going to be talking about Daniel. The story of Daniel. Daniel, we're going to talk about him in his early life, how he came from royalty, how he went into exile was returned to royalty under enslavement and everything and how he impacted the life of King Nebuchadnezzar. So I studied Daniel, um, and we've all heard uh, sermons and lessons and teachings on Daniel before, and one of the most infamous things about Daniel is his, uh, the story about him in the lion's den. We're all very familiar with him in the lion's den and, and all how that story took place. I do want to pause for effect, though, real quick, and I want to let everybody pay attention to my shoes. So, yes, I'm, I'm, I forgot to mention that at the, at the beginning. We'll pause Daniel. We'll come right back to Daniel. But I just want to I thank God that I'm, I'm able to stand and walk around. This is my first this is my day three in tennis shoes uh, out of that walking boot. Um, unfortunately, these are the only shoes that I was approved to wear for right now. So when I was picking out my outfit, um, I only had limited choices, so it is what it is. So if, you, <laughs> so if you're looking at me uh, as you're watching this, don't be like, man, this guy is tacky. He don't know what he's doing. Just, I do know what I'm doing, but I'm just trying to be comfortable and trying to heed the doctor's advice. So that's hence the, I'm, I have this stool here, so I may take breaks and have to sit down, but just bear with me. We're going to keep rolling. But yes, I'm up and I'm walking and, and I, I feel pretty good. Um, so yeah, so we're there. Um, so Daniel, if you're familiar with the story of Daniel about how he got to where he got in the royal kingdom. So if you remember Daniel, when he, when he came about, when, in the, when the book of Daniel was written, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians were on a quest to conquer. They're on a quest is to take over. Much like a lot of kingdoms and thiefdoms in, the, in that time, in that period, the more you got, the better. The more you could bring onto your entourage, the better, the more powerful you'd become. So it's all about who, I, who can I conquer next? So in their journey, they, they, uh, they wage war and they end up conquering 
uh, King Jehoiakim's kingdom of Judah. So in conquering them, he took, they went into exile. He took the people into enslavement. All the royalty from royalty all the way down. So part of that enslavement, part of the, the, the people who were in exile was Daniel. Amongst four of the people. They, the Bible calls them his friends. And that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we all come to familiar with. Now they have other names. As a matter of fact, the, that, those names were actually given to them by the Babylonians as a way to rid them of wherever they were before. Because the whole idea was that you're now a Babylonian. We're going to change your mind. We're going to change your heart. We're going to change the way you think and you act, the way you eat. You're going to become one of us, even down to your name. Okay, so it was serious business. So they took him into exile, and it came to a point where Again, the whole point is to build your kingdom up. So King Nebuchadnezzar was, he was like, okay, well, I'm at the point now where I got, I'm, I, we got to grow. We got to get bigger. We got to get better. Okay, so he sent a guy. Uh, his name was Ashpenaz. Ashpenaz was the king, uh, uh, one of the chief officials of the, at the time. He sent Ashpenaz out. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go find me the sharpest, the most brilliant, the most handsome, the, the best-looking people in exile because they had the pick of the pool. They had everybody that was enslaved, everybody that was in exile. He said, I want you to take your men, I want you to go out, and I want you to pick from them the best of the best of the best, right? He said, when you get them, I want you to bring them back. I want you to bring them back, and I can examine them so they can, I can find them fit for duty after they study. So he did. So Ashpenaz went out and he, he got a bunch of people. He got a bunch of young men. And if you, if you have ever studied um, the, the, the culture at the time, uh, we can, you, can, you can assume that a, a lot of the, the, the people at the time that were a lot of young men, he calls them young men, were between the ages of about 12 and 15. Okay, about 12 and 15. So when they really started studying and taking the stuff from the Torah and really making it to heart, uh, bringing it to heart and really becoming studious in, in all kinds of ways, right? So let's just say Daniel was about 15. So Ashpenaz went out and he got these, these, group, these groups of people, and amongst them was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were all about the same age, and so it says they were friends. Brings them in. He brings them into uh, the king's court. And uh, this brings me to the first point is Jan Daniel was chosen. Okay, first he was chosen. What happened was Daniel, there was something significant about it. There was something different about him. And God showed him favor. God, God said, hey, you know what? There's something about this guy. So from the point where he was young, to the point all throughout his journey in life, God showed him favor. And he had this, he had this thing about him. Wherever he went, people would look at him. Whoever he would talk to, he had favor. 
Now, there came a time where they had to start their studies. They had to start studying. They had to get ready for this long journey to be welcomed into the king's court. You had to be fit for duty. And a part of that journey was that you had to accept the culture of the Babylonians. And in that, you had to eat, drink, and do the things that the king had established. So one day, we can just say one day, that uh, they were introduced, the king laid down the rules, and he said, hey, this is what's going to happen. You guys are going to, you guys are going to, eat this, I'm going to prepare this food, you're going to eat these three, three, four square meals a day, you're going to drink of my wine, and all this other kind of thing, because I said. But Daniel had a problem with that, right? Daniel had an issue. Even more so, Daniel chose, he said, you know what, I can't do that, I can't defile myself. I know, I know the ways of God, and my God says that I'm not to do that. He said, I can't do that, I can't do this to defile myself, I can't do that. So he goes to Ashpenaz and he says, you know what, uh, I need to have a conversation with you. I said, I understand the king wants us to do that. He wants us to, to take part in the food. He's like, but I can't defile myself. I can't do that. So Ashpenaz says, you know what, <laughs> if, if you don't and you go starving, you go hungry, and the king sees you looking all famished and and, and worn down and tired, then he's going to kill me. I said, I'm not, I'm not taking one for the team like that. I can't do that. And he said, okay, well, just for 10 days, allow me and my brothers just to partake of vegetables and water, okay? We'll eat something. We just, I, I just don't want to eat at the king's table. Again, favor. So Ashpenaz, he said, okay, all right, um, okay. Well, I'll do this for you. So for the next 10 days, he ate nothing but vegetables and water. Didn't, take, didn't partake of anything from the king's table. Just vegetables and water. So what happened during the 10 days? The 10 days went by and they were re-examined and they... they it, they were tested and examined, and then physically they, were, they looked better than any of the people who partook of the food at the king's table, who drank the king's wine. They were more fit. He tested them in, in the things that they had studied educational-wise, and they were head and shoulders above. So what happened? He said, okay, what, what you're doing is working. I don't know how, but it's working, so we'll allow you to continue to do that. So in, in chapter 1, verse 3, just for some scriptural context, it says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Among those who were chosen were some of the Judea, some of the Judah, some from Judah, excuse me, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are their names before and I, I had to read this a lot of times to like really like nail down because I wanted to be smooth when I said these names because they're not that, they're not that <laughs> they're kind of hard to say. So 
in chapter 1, verse 8 it, uh, through 9, it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. And the guy that caused the official to show favor again to Daniel. So it, it got to a point where he... He was in, there was a, there was a three-year period. There was a three-year period to where they had to go and undergo training. Imagine having to go through training for anything for three years. So it was three legitimate years to where he had to go through all this training so where he could be fit for the king's court. Now, I imagine like, uh, has anybody ever seen the movie Kingsman? So it's, it's a pretty good movie. One of Virginia and I's favorite movies, and it's, uh, it's very fictional, but anyway, it's about these guys who are just, uh, I think it's set in the UK, in Great Britain, and they're, uh, they're basically like royal servicemen, like secret service, but like another level. I imagine like David, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be kind of like that, right? I imagine them to be kind of like the kingsmen, but in order to, re- to get to that point, they had to go through three years of training. So after the three years of training, they were presented to King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, actually all, everybody who had endured the training in total were presented. And the king said, these four are better than everybody else. David, I'm sorry, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are better than anybody else. So at the end of the three years, and he was presented to the king, he was promoted. So there was a promotion given. They was promoted. They were accepted into the king's court. I want to talk about unmerited favor. So God gave unmerited favor to Daniel from start to finish. It was more so, and it was to the point where it was just didn't understand why, couldn't get it. Those who we came in contact with, those who he uh, influenced, those who he would talk to, and had no business having favor in, God showed to give him favor. Chapter 1, verse 18 says, at the end of the, of the time, the king went and brought all the, all the servicemen and officials to the king Nebuchadnezzar, King talked to them and found that there was none equal to Daniel. My question is, are you willing, what are you willing to endure? What are you willing to endure for God? Through all the the trials, if you imagine like Daniel came from royalty in Judah. He came from royalty. He wasn't just a nobody. He went from royalty to being conquered and a war to being a slave, being ripped apart from everybody who he knew, but yet he endured. He endured the test of times. He endured when, when he had all the reason to, to not endure. Are you willing to endure? When you think it just doesn't make any sense, when you should give in, are you willing to endure? Chapter 2, 
of Daniel, verse 24, it says, Then Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute these men, for I can help the king out. So, this comes into play throughout the whole entire book of Daniel. Daniel was an interpreter of dreams that we come to find out. It had became a time after some service in the court that Daniel interpreted. There was, I'm sorry, there was a dream that troubled the king. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And nobody in his immediate court, none of the, none of the, the wise men, none of the, the, uh, the sorcerers, anybody else could interpret this dream. The king was like, hey, look, I need somebody to interpret this dream. And he called everybody in front, and he said, okay. And everybody was like, well, just, just tell us the dream, and we'll interpret it for you. Okay, just, you know, you know, throw us a bone, do something. Tell us the dream, and we'll interpret it for you. And the king was like, no. If you are who you say you are, and I've appointed you to this position, you're going to appoint the dream, or I'm going to kill you. They said, okay, well... King, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you, we can't do it. I said, but you know, there, there is a guy who, uh, who you've appointed by the name of Daniel. Maybe, by this time, they, call, they referred to him as Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar, I think, yeah, Belteshazzar. He said, there is a guy who can, who can potentially help you out in this endeavor. So the king allowed him to go out and they, they went and got... When got Daniel, and he brought him in, into the court, and the king was like, okay, I think I remember who you are. I've got this dream, and I need you to tell me what it means. So he was like, okay, all right. Give me a minute, give me a minute. Now, mind you, Daniel, in all of his giftings, all of his confidence, Daniel was still a human. So I imagine Daniel would be kind of nervous. The king had already slain people. He had already done all this and done all that. And uh, he's being asked to do this great thing. He's being asked to basically tell somebody their thoughts and then interpret what those thoughts mean. So it says that Daniel after some thinking, after some praying, he tells the king what his dream is. Tells the king what his dream is. And then after he tells the dream what his dream is, he interprets the dream. He interprets the dream, and the king is like, okay, wow. Wow. And the Bible says that he fell on his face and said, you must be serving the king of, of kings, the God of all gods. Chapter 2, verse 27 says, Daniel replied, No wise man, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed 
or these, and he goes on to explain it. It says, but God. It says, but God. I wish I had some but God people. Some but God, if, if you understand what, what power is in the phrase of but God. If we were just willing to stop and listen in the face of adversity, in the face of, of trials and tribulations, when we're tired of doing things on our own accord, and we say, but my God, I don't have it, Papa John, but but God has it. He says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Put the but in. And I bet if you start inserting that phrase in everyday life, when you come up against something, you'll realize change. Your path will become straight. It'll become clear. Daniel's own faith changed the king. In chapter 2, it says, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of all gods and Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery to me. See, the king's mind was changed because of the event that took place. For the moment in time, king's mind was changed. And at the end of the of, of his, him telling him the dream, he was promoted again to an even higher level in the kingdom as well as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Chapter 3, verse 1, verses 4 through 6 says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. So the king didn't learn. So King Nebuchadnezzar had a troubling dream It was interpreted to him what it meant. He had a moment and he had an encounter. And for the brief minute, he was changed. Some time went by. And now he erects this image. He erects this image of gold. It was made of gold and a bunch of other different kinds of things that represented kingdoms, Matter of fact, all the stories and all the visions that take place throughout Daniel represent kingdoms that will rise and fall, and eventually God will come smash those kingdoms and rule the earth. So it says, then then, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high. And then he heralded loudly and proclaimed nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, in verse 12 it says, but there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refused to pray and bow down. So this was a point where Daniel was still in, in, a, in a high position in the kingdom and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been set to take care of other smaller affairs throughout Babylon. 
So when the king made this image, he made this thing, this, this golden statue. Again, he promoted himself. He said, hey, you know what? That was, that was great what happened. That, that event that was great that happened back then, you know, but I'm still the king. I'm still the king. You know, I've, I got this far. I got, you know, these people to assist to go to, but I'm still the king. So he made this image of gold. And he set out a decree. He said, everybody, when you hear the music, you stop, you drop, and you roll. No, he doesn't, not roll. But you stop, you drop, and you worship until the time has elapsed. So, sometimes a moment becomes a memory. If you allow your encounter with Christ, the things that you experience, what God does for you, if you allow that just that moment in time just to become a memory that doesn't have an effect and doesn't change you. King Nebuchadnezzar had moments and moments and moments, but they became fading memories because he was so full of himself. It was just about him. Chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, after they were brought back into the court because they were sought out because there was a guy who said you know what I, king I hate to tell you this but there's a group of guys who despite your decree they're not listening and uh, every time the music plays and Everybody else is doing their thing. These four people are not doing it. And he said, wait, 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 hold on a second, wait. Okay, well, I can't have that. I'm, I am the king. Bring them here to me. So he goes out and he brings them in. And they need to explain themselves. And the king says, well, didn't, you, didn't you hear the instructions? When you hear the music, you're to bow down. You, you are to worship this idol. No other, no other, there, there is no other excuse. I didn't give you any other instruction. So now that you understand that, are we clear? And they said, no, your majesty, we're not. We're not. And I imagine like the king, like being, knowing who he's talking to, he's knowing these guys are, Amongst uh, the, the, the well-trained, the wise, the kingsmen, it just can't be trumped. He's like, okay, I understand who you are, but if you don't, I'm going to throw you in this fiery pit. I'm going to throw you in this fiery pit, and, that, and, that, and that's it. I'm not to be made an example of in front of my kingdom, in front of my people. It's over. He said, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. The scripture says that we serve a God that is able, that is able 
to deliver us from it and will deliver us from your majesty's hand. You see, the difference between Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, between everybody else, is they had something called a relationship. Their relationship with their God influenced their behavior in such a way that they, they weren't fearful in the face of an adversary, of, of a situation that they should have been trembling. They should have caved in, they should have given in. They said, we serve a God who is able. Verse 18 says, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods and worship the image of gold. I want to know how many people are like that today. When faced against something and you're about to be thrown into the world's fiery furnace, you can say, you know what? I serve a God who's able to get me out of this. But if he doesn't, I'm going to serve him anyway. I'm not going to cave in. I'm not going to succumb. I'm not going to, to, to bend under the pressure. I'm not going to, 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 to do it uh, the easy way everybody else is doing it. I'm going to stand firm and stand on my ground because I know that my relationship with Christ sees me through. But even if he does not, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods. So, I imagine the king, maybe he took a pause, I don't know, maybe he was like, hey, okay, all right. I've heard this before, all right. There's a guy, Daniel, that said something like that to me before. Yeah, okay, I get it. But I don't know how they did these executions really back then, but I imagine there was some people around. He probably had some right and left-hand men, and they're looking at King like, Ned, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? They just, they just told you they ain't going to do it. And they said they're not afraid. So King said, okay, okay, cool. All right, make the fire seven times hotter. Make the fire seven times hotter. And maybe you looked at him like after he said that, like, now what's up? He said, make it seven times hotter. And then throw them in. So, all right, they did. And I mean, again, they're human. But I don't know about you and me, but I mean, if <laughs> I'm really confident in like myself in certain things, but if somebody's saying make it even hotter, I'm going to throw you in, I'm going to be like, okay, God. Okay, I mean, I, I, I trust what you said, but you know, this... The fire about a mile that way, I and mean, I can feel the heat. So the king makes the, his guards increase the fire substantially. And he says, all right, maybe this will get you. So they, they take him to the fire, and the Bible says that as they're ushering them into the fire, even the guards that were taking him in the fire fell out and collapsed and died. It was so hot. So hot that they, they, they succumbed to the fire and they fell. So Daniel, I don't know if they were, it was like a plank and they pushed him in there. I, I, I imagine, you ever seen one of those big old dumpsters that you have the big door and you open it? That's kind of what I envisioned in my mind for some reason or like some kind of plank situation. But they had to have gotten close enough to it to where like as they pushed him in there, they kind of, you know, fell because it was so hot. So they're in the fire, the furnace, 
And the king was obviously far enough away, and they didn't have telescopes back then, so he was, far, he was close enough to be able to see into the fire, into the furnace. So after a, a moment or two, the king said, wait a minute, hold on, wait, hold on. It wasn't the three people I just put in there. It was three people. And they said, oh, yes, sure, king, it was three people you put in there. And he said, well, I see four. I see four people, and the fourth person looks like the son of the gods. He looks like the son of the gods. Oh, hold on a second. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he called to them, and he said, come out. Come out of that fire. So they came walking out of the fire, walking out of the fire, and the guards and everybody, I imagine they had to wait till they got to, not too close. So they probably saw their dead buddies in front of the fire that had died. So they made their way to him, and he brought him back up to King Nebuchadnezzar, and he was like, all right. Imagine, like, the Bible goes in a very beautiful descriptive language, and, it says, and I imagine, like, King's kind of looking at him and patting him down and just outside beside himself, trying to figure out, wait a minute. The Bible says the king leaned to his feet, and after he saw that, and they were brought to him, He said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Most High, come out here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the, and the satraps, prefects, and governors of the royal and ministers crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Nor was a hair on their head singed. The robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I promise you, if you... If you make an effort, there are certain things in the Bible that are, that, that, that are laid out for a reason. Instructions and things that we're to do and examples that we're supposed to follow after. And the Bible says that because they stood the ground and because they had relationship with God, their God, that they went into the fiery furnace, Jesus was with them, and they came out unsinged. It even goes to as far as they didn't even smell like smoke. They weren't warm to the touch. They weren't injured. Not a single hair on their head was singed. See, Nebuchadnezzar forgot all about his encounter with Daniel, his encounter with the God of Daniel. He forgot all about it. To be, it just became a memory. So you would think that like, okay, king has seen all these things. He's seen what happened to Daniel. Now he saw what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego after they prayed to the God of heaven. You would, you would say, okay, well, this should definitely have a lasting impact on king. But it didn't. The Bible says 12 months later, everything kind of changed. In chapter 4, it says, And all this happened, and 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of a royal palace, he had a vision. He had another dream. Something else happened to the king. King Nebuchadnezzar just played with these dreams and these visions and trying to figure out who could interpret the dream. What does this mean for me? 
Why does this keep happening? And the dream was revealed to the king. A tree arose up. And the tree had long branches, many, many branches. And there was fruit, it was prosperous. And then all of a sudden, the tree was uprooted, the tree fell, but the stump remained. And Daniel interpreted the dream yet again. And he said that, uh, King, uh, I wish this dream was about somebody else, about some other kingdom, but it's, uh, it's about you. It's about you. And it wasn't until Daniel let the king know that if you don't stop doing what you're doing, God is going to strip you of everything that you have. He's going to drive you mad. And it's not until you proclaim that he is the Lord of all lords that you'll be restored. The king said, okay, all right. Okay. Sounds good, Daniel. Thank you for your interpretation. Off you go. So time went past, and as the king was up on his palace enjoying everything that uh, he had accomplished personally, he said, okay, well, this is very good. This is very good. All I think, everything that I've done. And it was in that moment that the Bible says that he lost his mind and he became mad. Even so, I, I would assume that he caused a lot of attention from everybody else. And they're like, man, we can't have the king embarrassing us like this. So he was set off to the wilderness. He was set off to the wilderness and he spent some time away in this and the Bible refers to seven times. We, we, can, uh, we can maybe assume that would be seven days or a time period. And the king lifted his eyes. The king lifted his eyes and he said, all right, you are the Lord of all lords. And just as the dream was prophesied to him, he was restored. His mind was restored. And it said everybody in the kingdom went and sought him out. They found him and they brought him back to the kingdom and he was restored. He's restored. And I pray that like it doesn't take, I pray this for, for the saints, that it, that it doesn't take you getting to the point where you lose everything. God is trying to captivate your attention. He's trying to get a hold of you right now in this moment. And he's saying, if you would just, if you would just listen and unharden your heart and listen to me, because God, God is after your heart. If you would just listen to me, if you would just in, in, in accept me and invite me in, you don't have to succumb, you don't have to fall the way that the king did. Lost everything. It wasn't until he was stripped of everything that he was restored. You see, the, the biggest difference is that the king allowed a lot of things to get in his way. He allowed practices to, to dictate and, and, and to build him up and, and, and support his character. 
And he thought that it was because of his own might and his own power that he had achieved all these great things. And time and time again, he was shown through dreams and he was shown through visions and he was shown after the interpretation from Daniel that, no, it's not because of you. But if you just, if you just humble yourself, if you just humble yourself before me. See, a lot of us, and, and I don't know how you grew up, but, but growing up, we did a lot of things. And we still do a lot of things in church. And uh, I, I, I remember there was a pastor. He was, he was one of the pastors who married Virginia and I. He talked about all these religious things that we would do. And he was like, you know, there's, there's all, these, all these religious events and things that keep you from doing other things. And I know my dad, growing up, was real big on, like, not wearing hats in churches. You know, you had to, uh, <laughs> couldn't wear a hat in the church. As soon as your foot broke the threshold of the church, you better take the hat off. That was his thing. You know, a lot of different things that, like, a lot of different practices and, and things. And, and as a Christian, we understand that, like, a lot of these religious practices all these things are, are things that we do to try to get to God. Things we do on our own accord to try to make us look a certain way or shine in a certain light. And I want to let you know that today it's not about that. It's not about the religion because all, that, all those good things that happen in, in the religious practices, and, don't, and don't, don't take what I'm saying out of context. I'm not saying that everything with religion is all bad. But I'm saying that 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 good that's in religion won't get you to God. It's not enough. It's not enough to have, to have the, the head smarts, to have the education, to have all that, that kind of thing. It, it's not good enough. God is searching for the heart of the man. If we can get to a place where he says, you know, I, I don't want your stuff. I don't want all the other thing, all those, those things that you try to bring all those things that you try to do, I want your heart. Because God knows if he can get to the heart of the man, if he can get to the heart of us, Papa John, then he'll have us. You see, it was the king's religion that caused him to fall. It was the king's religion that caused him to, to lose control out of what he thought he had control of. Let go of the religion, let go of the, of the, of the things, those practices that, that we think that are going to promote us or are going to get us there. We struggle so much day to day with things because we do them with no heart. All the effort is us. And we never find the time to just say, you know what? I'm done doing it this way. I'm done doing it this way. I cannot, I cannot go any further, God. I cannot go any further without you. I don't want to just have a moment. I don't want to just have an encounter. It's not a coincidence that, that, uh, that Mike Bobo is here today. 
He didn't know I was going to bring him up in the message, but I did. <laughs> Some years back, we had a men's retreat. I don't even know where it was. It was some campsite. JD, if you're on here, you, you may remember where it was. Maybe Mike, if you remember where it was. Some, it was some campsite we had. It was a men's retreat. We went there. During the course of one of the days, I had twisted my ankle doing something goofy and extremely athletic. I think we were playing washers. And uh, I twisted my ankle really, really bad. And um, that was the, it, 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 I'm a pretty tough guy, and I was like, okay, it's not a big deal. So we went on with the day, and then we had a, a service that evening, and it got to the point where my ankle swelled up. It, it was my right foot, the, sur- the foot I had surgery on, too. Well, it was, uh, it, it swelled up real bad, and, they, and it got all stiff, and I couldn't walk on it. And I, I'm pretty good with pain, but I couldn't walk. I don't know if you remember that, but I couldn't walk. And I'm limping on this bad baby. Real bad. As a matter of fact, I had to be helped into the church by a couple of the guys over there. I had to be helped into the church. It was that bad. So we get through service, and something came over Pastor Mike, and um, the uh, Holy Spirit told him to stop. He said, hey, you know, we're going to pray for healing right now. And in that moment, we stopped, and, and they laid hands on me, laid hands on my ankle. My brother prayed for me. Pastor Mike prayed for me. And I experienced healing in that moment, and I had never experienced that before. And it, was an, it, 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 it wasn't just an encounter. I'm not trying to, uh, to, to brush over it. But it had a lasting impact on my life. It had a lasting impact on my life. Now, God already had my heart before then. I was a Christian. And I had and I'd lived the way uh, that I thought I was supposed to be living. But something changed in that moment when I experienced healing. And it wasn't just in the moment. And I bring that up because I, it, it's, it's so frustrating and it's so disheartening when, you, when we see brothers and sisters of Christ continue to fall, continue to, to come and we rise and we fall. We have these encounters with, with God and everything's great. You know, we're at the altar, we're praying, you know, we're, 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 we're speaking in tongues, we have these revelations in our life, you know, and it just, it, it, it never takes hold or takes root because it's just merely an encounter. And we're like, okay, well, if I just do like, if I just come to church, if I download the Bible app, if I keep my streak going, you might know about those streaks. If I keep my streak going, everybody's going to see it. I'm going to post scripture. I'm going to post the scripture to, to Facebook and Instagram. Everybody's going to see it. If I do all this stuff, then, I, then I'm good. I acknowledge, I acknowledge God. I acknowledge him. See, a lot of us acknowledge God as our Savior. We don't acknowledge him as our Lord. We acknowledge him as our Savior, but we fail to acknowledge him as our Lord. You see, back in, back in the, these times in, in the, when they had the royal courts, they had different levels of, of everything, and they would have people who would rule, have people who would, who would come through and provide. And they would call those who are at the very top, who, were, who had the authority to rule, they would call them lords. And God is saying, I want, you, I want to be your lord. I want, because when God is your lord, 
He does more than just make you feel good. He does more than just, just provide when, you, when, you, when you're begging and crying and, you, and you're desperate. He does more than just say, you know what? Okay, yeah, I, I, I'm here for you, but, but I want to do more for you. I want to be more for you. I want to be your Lord. I want you to submit and humble yourself uh, uh, unto me to where I can help lead your life. I can lead you and guide you. And you don't just come crawling to me when you're desperate. When everything else is falling apart from you, now, you, now you're crawling, now you're coming back. He's saying, son, daughter, I'm here. I'm here all the time. Allow me to lead your life. Allow me to take control. Allow me to enter the, the parts of your life that, that you don't think any, anybody can see. Allow me access to everything. See, it was Daniel's relationship with God who got him favor, who, who continued to protect him and showed him favor. It was his relationship that got him promoted, not his religious practices. It is your relationship with Christ. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. He wants the heart of us. He wants our heart, and if he can get your heart, he's got you. Now, you even see me unbutton these buttons. I'm not doing the strip tease. Please, I'm not being irreverent. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and I, it is hot, but it's not, that's not what it's about. But the shirt I have on says, you'll see it says religion. And it's X'd out, that's not me. Pastor Drew, why are you saying why are you talking bad about religion? Why are you saying religion and put a big old red X across it? Yeah. And it says it's a relationship. Because that's what it's about, saints. It's about the relationship that will bring you through. Has anybody ever had a relationship with a person on earth? You got into the relationship. Husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. You said, we're booze now, we're married, everything's been good, and then you just stop doing everything. Has anybody ever done that and had great success? Nobody, I can't, no. You know why? Because if you buy the flowers, if you send the notes, if you send the cute text messages, if you say hi, goodbye, you talk all cutesy to each other, all those religious things are nice, they're great, but they'll mean nothing if you don't have relationship, you don't commit work in your relationship. I can say anything I want. I've been married 13 years. I can say anything that I want to my wife, and if she doesn't believe me, it means nothing. If I haven't put into any work into our relationship, if I just say, you know what, I'm just going to, uh, this is good enough. We've come far enough, Papa John, and I'm no more work. No more work. Good luck. It's going to fail. Anybody ever, like, bought a car? You bought a car and, like, you were fortunate enough to save up some money. Maybe your credit's good and no offense to Anybody who's had like a 28% interest rate, but you got a good interest rate because you got good credit. Got your car that you actually wanted. Thing's pretty. Take it off the showroom floor, you know, and you, 
drive that thing home, two miles an hour so everybody sees you. Maybe you get home, put a little wax on it in your driveway. You're like, man, look at this thing. And you put it in your garage, and then you never drive it again. That's, no? Has anybody ever done that? Does that make sense? Nobody does that. Nobody would ever do that. You get that car so you can do what? And you could use it. Salvation is the same way. You are welcomed into this kingdom. You are now a son and a daughter, a prince and princess in the kingdom. God has given you certain rights and authorities and privileges. Remember the little song, Hide in a Bushel? Oh, no, when you were a little kid? I'm, I was going to sing it. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but you remember that concept. It's the, it's the concept of getting inheriting something, and then you just squander it or you just ignore it. And you think that, like, going through the basic things and basic acknowledgement of something is going to get you there. Don't park the car of salvation in the garage and forget about it. Never use it. God is saying, I've given you so much, I've called you to a certain position. I want relationship with you. I want you to be used. I don't want you to sit there and collect dust and then whenever, you, whenever you, it's, it's a Sunday and you want to bring me out and show me off to everybody, that's what happens. Thank you. We just bring our salvation out when it's, a, when it's convenient. We say, you know, Lord, I, I, you're my Savior, but I got too much going on to make you my Lord. Because if I make you my Lord, that means I have to fully submit, and that means, that means you're in control and not me. pray that we get that. I pray that we get it. That God just wants to be your Lord. Let him be the Lord of your life. Stop letting religious practices rule and reign. Christianity is about a relationship. Leave all the pronouns and all the, the titles. God, our Heavenly Father, wants a relationship with you. It's through the relationship that you have. Favor. We look at everybody else, we say, hey, look, this, this guy's a dynamic speaker. This guy's a dynamic pastor. He's, he's got this going on and that going on. And we try to steal this and that from them. We try to take this and that, not literally, but we try to take that attribute from them and that attribute from her. We try to put it onto us and we, we think that if I can do like what I see them doing, then that'll promote me and that'll make me have success. But the problem is you can't see their heart. You can't see their heart, Papa John. You can see what they're doing. You can see what they're doing outwardly, but you can't see what's going on inside them. We don't know how God is working inside you, but God wants your heart. And he says, if you just humble yourself and you just lay prostrate before me and you say, hey, God, I'm an open book. I'm here. I'm done doing all these this, these ceremonial things, all this stuff that, uh, that, that's been of me. I want to do better. I want to be better. 
I want promotion. I want, I want, I want change in my life. So I'm done. I'm done with that. I want relationship with you. I know you have so much more for me than what I can see in front of me. And I'm willing to submit right now. If that's your prayer right now, I want you to pray with me. And say, Heavenly Father, I am done doing it my way. I'm done having an experience or an encounter, something powerful happen to me, see something powerful, hear something powerful, and then fall back. And then fall away and forget. Father, I want real relationship with you. I want to know you, and I know you want to know me, Father. Lord, all the things that I think are hidden that you already know about, Lord, because you created me, Jesus. Father, help me put away those things. Put aside those things, Lord God, that, 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 that mess me up, that have caused me to slip and fall before. Allow me to take on a new mind. Lord, you just want my heart. So, Father, I submit to you today. I give it all to you today. Father, here again. Father, I had an encounter before, Lord, but I'm asking you to meet with me here again today. Meet me here again. Meet me here again, Father. Father, we need you in this place. We need you. I need you in this place, this vessel. So, God, I thank you, Lord God, for this new relationship. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for the word. I thank you, Lord, for, for, uh, for everything, Lord God, that was spoken through me. And Father, I pray that your will was done. I pray that you would be with us all, Lord, as we depart from here. Father, that we not depart from your presence. I just thank you, Jesus, for everything that you're doing and everything that you've done. You are so good, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.